0: This free program is paid for by the listener members of KPFK. If you're not already a member, consider joining with us and keep free speech alive.
1: You're going to love this. Just love it. Never do, every week.
2: Right.
1: Never is every week. I'm scared, kiss, I, fall off my chair. I am never ever scared. Clouds to the left of me. Jokers to
2: the right. Here I am stuck in the
3: middle
1: with you. Yep. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle with you. Yes, I am stuck in the middle with you right here on KPFK, live in Los Angeles. Brad Friedman, your friendly citizen, investigative blogger, journalist. Keep it rolling there, Federico. Uh, troublemaker, muckraker, all-around swell fellow coming at you live. Across 110,000 blazing watts of truth here on KPFK as our new uh, our uh, transmitter has been renewed. And we are broadcasting this afternoon across... Let's say all of the Southland and beyond on 90.7 FM in Los Angeles, 98.7 FM in Santa Barbara, 93.7 FM in San Diego, 99.5 FM in Ridgecrest and China Lake, and of course, coast to coast and around the globe on o r g as well as the Stitcher radio app and the TuneIn radio app on your smart device. Glad you could join us. We have a big show. We were off last week as our uh, friend Tom Hartman was uh, joining the KPFK station. He preempted us last week. No one I would uh, rather be preempted by, frankly. So we're glad to have Tom aboard. But we are glad to be back with you this week with an exclusive report from Bradblog.com. That's what we do over there when we are at our best and uh i think we are this week uh causing some trouble that that frankly should shake things up a little bit in california and across the country when you get into uh into the story that i'm about to uh about to cover here uh you know uh, anyone who listens to this show or reads bradblog.com knows that we cover elections not just in the weeks and days before the election when everyone else does, when it's by and large too late to do a damn thing about anything, about all of the problems that come up. But we cover them 24-7, 365, when merited, and, uh, you know, when we can add something to the conversation that might move the ball forward, that might make our elections more transparent, that may make our elections officials more count- accountable. Same with our candidates, by the way. But we don't tend to focus on the horse race, we tend to focus on the track conditions. And it is those track conditions that we're going to be talking about today on the Bradcast here. You know, uh, this has been a a bugaboo of mine for a long time. We've talked about it. Uh, People seem to think that, well, if you got paper ballots, you're fine. Yes, sure, they're paper ballots that are secretly tallied by computers. As opposed to hand tallies at the precinct on election night, done by actual human beings, overseen by actual voters. They think that paper ballots are fine because, you know what, if there's a problem, if there's any question about the results, well, we can always go back and look at those paper ballots after the election, if there are any questions about the election results. The story I'm going to cover today uh, proves that that is wrong, that that is just not the case. Uh, and, uh, it involves Prop 37. And some of you may remember Prop 37 out here in California. It was on the ballot last November. It would have required genetically modified foods to be labeled as such. Seems a reasonable thing to ask for. Of course, it was opposed by, uh, by Monsanto, uh, DuPont, Hershey's, a whole bunch of, uh, food companies, farmers. We're all against this idea that if we're going to have a genetically modified organism in our mouth, we should label it as such so we know. Well, listen, in California, you had, you know, big progressive victories up and down the state. Barack Obama reportedly won by huge numbers. A lot of uh, progressive initiatives did very well. Uh, And yet Prop 37 reportedly lost. Did it really lose? Well, it's hard to know, because here in California, yes, we have paper ballots across much of the state, but we don't actually count those paper ballots. We put them through optical scan machines in in almost all of our counties. And whatever the computers tell us are the results, those are going to be the results. And what if a citizen wants to find out if the computer got it right? Because, in fact, the computer often gets it wrong. We reported all last year, for example, uh, down in Palm Beach, Uh, Florida, an optical scan system, uh, had named three losing candidates to be the winners. The only way that the uh, uh, county clerk down there found out was by counting some of those ballots by hand, finding out that the computers had gotten it wrong, uh, and then doing a full hand count to find out that, yeah, as a matter of fact, uh, the computers were wrong well we don't uh, really check the ballots here to make sure that the results are correct, and when citizens try to do so themselves and they are welcome to thanks to a fairly liberal actually I should say a very liberal recount law that we have in this uh, in this state, um, they're able to try to find out if the ballots were counted accurately. I put the emphasis on try. So to back up a little bit here, before we can come up to the present, let me take you back to 2006. A very similar story uh, happened back in 2006, a very similar story to what happened when citizens in 2012, and now 13, tried to do a hand recount of Prop 37. Move the clock back to 2006 after the uh, special election for the U.S. House down in San Diego County, California's 50th congressional district at the time. It was a special election to replace Randy Duke Cunningham, the Republican congressman who had been uh, uh, tossed in jail after uh, having been found to take bribes. It was the summer of 2006. There was a, a special election for the U.S. House between Democrat... uh, uh, Francine Busby and Republican Brian Bilbray and it was the first election to be held on Diebold optical scan systems just after a scientist a computer scientist down in Florida had discovered that the Diebold optical scan systems can be hacked can be flipped in a matter of seconds such that the results uh, printed out by the computer are completely different than the way the paper ballots were supposed to be counted and it caused quite an uproar at the time it was actually december of 2005 that this happened it caused quite an uproar uh the the uh, national group that oversees uh, elections uh, uh, voting machine certifications put out some uh, some some warnings some security restrictions said that if these restrictions aren't met when using these machines then the machines lose their federal certification out here in california uh, our state law requires that any voting machine that is used, any optical scan tabulator that is used, have federal certification before it can be certified here in California. Well, the election, that special election in San Diego in the summer of 2006, was the very first election to use those machines after these new requirements came out. And what do you know, the uh, San Diego County Registrar of Voters at the time, Michael Haas, completely ignored those new requirements he sent those voting machines home with poll workers for days and sometimes uh, weeks at a time before that election I reported that at Bradblog I reported that in fact uh, that meant that those machines used in that election could no longer be trusted in fact they were not certified when that happened and uh, that meant that all of the paper ballots needed to be counted by hand to know for sure who won and who lost that race The story that we broke on that at the Brad blog at the time was picked up and advanced by many others, including CNN's Lou Dobbs, uh, Court TV's Catherine Cryer, Tribune Media's Robert Kohler, even Roger Hedgecock, the Rush Limbaugh fill-in host down in San Diego, who had uh, otherwise supported the Republican Brian Bilbray, had had us on, covered this. uh, This rock-ribbed Republican said, yeah, we're absolutely right. Uh, with our concerns about this, these ballots need to be hand-counted so that we can know who won and who lost. The DNC at the time also took notice, and though I've never, uh, I don't think I've ever reported this publicly before, but I was told by someone at the DNC that, in fact, Howard Dean who was, at the time, the chair of the DNC, was prepared to go on the Sunday shows. The Sunday after that election, after that California 50 election in San Diego, he was scheduled already to be on all of the Sunday shows that day because this election uh, was thought to be a bellwether for the uh, uh, 2006 general election. Howard Dean was set to go on Meet the Press, on, uh, uh, you know, Fox News Sunday, whatever it was, on all of the shows, and he was going to call for a full hand recount of those ballots in the CA 50 race between Francine Busby and Brian Bilbray. And uh, what I was then told was that uh, the, the the good folks at the DNC, someone inside the DNC, called him off. Said, don't do it. We don't know what's going on. We don't want to look foolish by calling for a complete hand count. And in fact, Howard Dean uh, and the DNC somewhat backed off of what would have been their call for a full hand count, a full contest, a full challenge that they hopefully would have paid for down in San Diego. Instead, the DNC's Voting Rights Institute at the time issued a statement. The statement read thusly. The San Diego, of, uh, San Diego County election official responsible for administrating post-election manual vote counts has given three different arbitrary cost estimates for conducting the hand count. The quoted fees are as much as six times the cost estimates for similar hand counts in surrounding counties. The estimates portray the expense of a manual vote count to be cost prohibitive. And that was even to the DNC. Yes, what happened was a voter took advantage of the liberal recount laws here in California to challenge to file a contest in the California 50 race in the summer of 2006 and was told by the San Diego registrar that it would cost her some $150,000 to count those ballots by hand. Um, She would have had to turn in, I think it was $6,000 on the first day of voting. It would have amounted to uh, about $1 per ballot uh, to count uh, each of the ballots in that race in San Diego. This was a, a Republican registrar. The Republican had won the race. And for whatever reason, he determined that he was going to charge $1 per ballot. Meantime, next door in Orange County, a recent uh, recount had cost the uh, challengers just $0.14 cents per ballot. In other words, California registrars are allowed to pretty much charge whatever they want if there's a recount, uh, a, a, a hand count, uh, a recount request. That was 2006. And as you can see, the DNC was up in arms about it, up in arms, not an, not up in arms enough to actually uh, file the contest themselves, but to put out this statement calling for a 100% hand count in that race. They had never done that before. And they had to do that because the registrar was charging what seemed to be uh, an arbitrary and capricious amount for this, uh, for this challenge. He succeeded, Michael Haas was his name, a hard-right Republican, he succeeded in stopping that count dead in its tracks back in 2006. Move the clock forward now to 2012 and the Prop 37 race, uh, the Prop 37 initiative that would have called for labeling genetically modified foods here in California. That initiative reportedly failed and yet, there were questions about the results. And a coalition of uh, uh, folks, uh, proponents of Prop 37 and election integrity advocates, got together to check, to confirm the results, to make sure that, in fact, progressive California... Who had put in, uh, you know, Barack Obama by a landslide? Who had passed all of these other progressive initiatives to make sure that, in fact, Prop 37, for whatever reason, in fact, really did fail. Now, there's plenty of reasons to think that Prop 37 may have failed. In fact, as I said, uh, there was a huge campaign against it, a huge disinformation campaign against it, funded by folks like uh, Monsanto and DuPont to the tune of 44 million dollars uh there was if you looked at the ballot uh, itself it said prop 37 genetically modified foods of course i would look at that if i didn't know the uh the, the the you know what what the initiative really said i would look at that and go genetically modified foods no i'm against it so there are reasons perhaps california really did vote against prop 37 the problem is we don't know Unless we count those ballots by hand, we don't know. This is faith-based voting. This is not the way democracy is supposed to work. This is not government of the people, by the people, and for the people, if we, the people, can't even oversee the results of our elections. Well, thanks once again to that liberal uh, recount law that we do have here in California. A contest was filed and an attempt to confirm the results of prop thirty seven ensued beginning in December and then into january and uh that measure was it was first uh checked with well, the first county to be checked was orange county and in fact in Orange county they charged a fairly reasonable rate uh to count for for three days worth of counting up there uh then and that was by the way orange county the third largest county in the um, in the state, uh, then in uh, Sierra County, one of the smallest counties in the state, they also did a hand count up there. It's small enough they were able to hand count every single ballot in a matter of hours. About four ba- four hours, they counted every single ballot. Once again, the costs were reasonable. A few thousand dollars up in Orange County to count those uh, ballots. It cost all of, I believe, five hundred dollars to count the ballots, to count every single ballot in Sierra County, and then they got to Fresno County. In Fresno County, they got a cost uh, estimate from the um, from the Registrar of Voters there, Brandy Orth, and it seemed to be insanely expensive. She had told the Prop 37 proponents that they had to show up on day one with $18,000. That's a $14,000 setup fee before they even got to count ballot one. And then the counting would cost approximately $4,000 a day. To count with, with one recounting board, four members of the recounting board, voters who are supposed to be chosen, you know, from among the electorate and paid the same price as poll workers, uh, it would cost $4,000 a day to count. Compare that to $600 a day for hand count by a single counting board in Orange County, $500 a day for the same count in Sierra County. It was going to cost $4,000 a day in Fresno County. Why? Well, we looked into it at bradblog.com. We did an investigative report. Obviously, we're not going to be able to get into all the details today, so I urge you to check out our report and the numbers and the details and the responses from Fresno County Registrar of uh, of Voters, Brandy Orth, who declined to join us here this afternoon on the Bradcast. Uh, but you can look at all the numbers there. You can look at her responses. Uh, she thinks she's doing everything by the book. In fact, we looked at that book and we looked at the election code and we looked at the uh, uh the the uh requirements uh by the state for hand counts and the costs that can be charged and there's very little about it. There's very little very few standards about how much that uh, can be charged. But there is one point where uh and what's the um What's the call? Uh, the election code California election code fifteen six two five specifically notes that each member of a recount board shall receive the same compensation per day as is paid in the jurisdiction with which uh, within which the recount is being conducted to members of precinct boards. in other words, poll workers. Brandy orth confirmed that in Fresno poll workers are paid one hundred and fifty dollars a day period flat. but, what she was estimating to the Prop 37 uh, uh, recount, folks, was more than 200% higher than that. Uh, she was going to charge, uh, let's see, an average of, uh, where's my numbers here, 38, well, there was a couple of different numbers she offered. Now, let's go by her numbers, $38 an hour, uh, including both salary and benefits. To count ballots. Yeah, here we go. Our numbers from based on her estimates $46 per hour to count ballots for a seven hour day instead of $150 for the entire day. Uh, She had an executive staff. Their costs $648 per person per day. That's $92 an hour in both salary and benefits. Insane pricing. In fact, what happened was it succeeded in stopping the entire count. Because the proponents could not afford that kind of uh, that kind of uh, of counting, which seemed to be illegal by the way, according to our reporting at bradblog.com. and yet um, well, apparently Brandy Orth feels differently, she feels it was perfectly legal. The law seems to say differently. Also not joining us today would be California Secretary of State Deborah Bowen. We invited her several times uh, to join us here to explain this, to find out if uh, anything has been done about this, if she has done anything about this, if she agrees that it's appropriate to charge these sort of uh, fees that keep the citizens from overseeing their own elections. She did not respond to our request to join us here today, I'm sorry to say. On the other hand... Uh, Joining us here to talk about all of this today, in fact, uh, two folks involved in the recount, uh, Tom Corbett, a longtime election integrity advocate from Riverside County, uh, who has also spent 25 years himself, by the way, working in local government in three different California counties as a senior budget analyst in L.A., fiscal manager in Shasta County, a finance director in Riverside County. He helped oversee the attempted recount of Prop 37. And uh, let me see, uh, Tom. Do we have Tom Corbett? Uh, hey, Tom. Hey, Brad. How you doing this
0: afternoon?
1: I'm okay. Welcome, sir, to the broadcast. Let me uh, let me bring in Doctor John Ma. He is also with us. He's a San Francisco-based assistant professor at uh, UCFC Division of General Surgery and a member of the board of directors of the Heart of the American Heart Association in San Francisco. He was an ardent proponent of the failed Prop 29 from June of last year. That initiative. Uh, on the uh, June 2010 primary ballot in California would have increased taxes on cigarettes by $1 per pack to fund cancer research. And uh, according to statewide computer tallies, that one also reportedly lost, that one by fewer than 30,000 votes out of more than 5 million cast statewide. And so Ma initiated the first recount of a statewide initiative. He spent some $250,000 of his own money to do so. And he was also an informal unpaid advisor to the folks attempting to confirm the results of the Prop 37 initiative. I should say the uh, folks who attempted uh, to confirm the results uh, after their aborted recount, after it was stopped dead in its tracks by the Fresno County Registrar. Registrar, Dr. John Ma, welcome, sir, to KPFK. Thank you, Brad, for having me on the show. Sure. Uh, appreciate you being here. Okay, Tom, let me start with you. Uh, you counted ballots, uh, in, in Orange County and then all of, uh, uh, Sierra County and then you got to Fresno County. Uh, did I accurately describe what you ran into, what the wall was when you, uh, got to Fresno County? Uh, did I miss any key details there?
0: Oh I don't think you missed any key details I, uh, unless uh and perhaps i missed it um i I was talking with uh brandy orth uh one time uh trying to clarify the 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 cost estimates and i asked her i said uh uh we're we're, we're not on the clock right now are we We're just trying to figure out what the cost of this whole recount would be and she said uh yes, yes, we're actually." already uh logging hours on uh, on this uh project and so um, I said well how much am I going to get charged for this and and she said well about $14,000 and that, and that was just for the uh, the the prep time including my talking to her um about how does this? Uh, how does how do you compute all this?
1: So that, well, that was that was well.
0: Got a full
2: estimate.
1: Yeah, He's tell already... that was when when you were discussing uh, when you were trying to figure out which counties to count, and you were discussing whether or not to count Fresno at all, and just trying to get a, an estimate for her for the for the costs, right?
0: <laughs> That's right. That's what we were trying to do.
1: And what was the uh reason did she give you a reason because I was never able to get one uh, for this fourteen thousand dollar setup fee? I know in some of the emails that I reviewed between you and her, she talked about a five it, it would take five days to somehow locate the absentee uh paper ballots uh in order to be able to recount them at all is Is that correct
0: Well, that is correct uh and, and that would have been in addition to that setup fee that we were to come to the table. Uh, the, the, the price of admission was $18,000. You come to the table with 18000 on Monday, and then for the rest of the week, uh, they would basically be expending uh, $4,000 a day of our money to go find these uh, absentee ballots or vote-by-mail ballots. Uh, maybe absentee is the correct word for them in this case because they didn't file the absentee ballots with the ballots for each precinct which they should have each each uh, mm-hmm. precinct should have had uh, the paper ballots uh, that were voted on in the precinct and they should also be storing the absentee ballots related to that precinct in the same box so you can get to them instead they threw them all the absentee ballots into um, miscellaneous boxes <laughs> and uh, put them up in the, in the warehouse she said they had several hundred and it would take Uh, several days for her to locate the ones that we would want to
1: start. To to locate the ballots from an election which had just finished uh, days or perhaps by that time weeks earlier it would take her five days to locate the ballots. Before I go to uh, Dr. Maher uh, Tom Corbett uh, as a, uh, you know, a senior budget analyst in LA County, a fiscal manager in Shasta County, all of these 25 years you've spent doing this, finance director in Riverside County, uh, were you satisfied with, uh, the way the numbers were, the, the, this estimate to do this cost was presented to you, and were you satisfied with her explanation, uh, for these numbers? As a former county official yourself, would you have put out, uh, uh, numbers like this to anybody?
0: no absolutely not um it, it, as you pointed out they were uh they were way uh out of line with the with the um the requirements uh for example that that they only pay 150 dollars a day to someone to count ballots and uh and and she was quoting uh, what was it? Forty some dollars an mm.
1: hour. Yes, she was charging more than two hundred percent of the costs that are allowable by state law, according to uh, according to my reporting at uh, at uh, Bradblog.com on this. Uh, I could not get. I got several comments. Uh, from the California Secretary of State's office, from California Secretary of State Deborah Bowen, uh, who, who basically said, well, we can't, uh, you know, we can't comment on the different costs that different counties, uh, charge uh folks to do recount recounts uh and she basically did not reply when i said well you know why aren't there standards for this has your office uh called for standards let me move to dr uh dr john ma john welcome uh, to the show did you find uh anything similar when you were doing your uh, recount of Prop 29 uh, just a few months earlier, and I know you you were successful uh, because you had enough money that you were able to bring to bear here, but did you find similar disparities across the state in what counties were charging to recount, or to, I should say, count for the first time your votes?
4: Yes, I did. I was quite surprised by the variability across the f- counties in California in the entire process both upfront estimates and the supplemental costs that are charged after the recount is over.
1: Did you try to count, uh, speaking since we're focused for the moment on Fresno, and I'm not trying to vilify her because I think this is a problem across the state, but did you try to count Fresno County and run into uh, a similar problem up there?
4: I did. In the process of the Prop 29 recount, I almost tallied myself every single ballot cast in the state of California for or against Prop 29. Mm Mm-hmm. The county I had the most challenge with was Fresno, because unlike the other counties, they don't publish their statement of the vote online. And so we had to make special arrangements for someone to travel to the registrar's office and to purchase it. Mm. And after analyzing it, we chose to perform a statistical analysis on some very unusual trends that we observed, Mm -hmm. uh, rather than actually do a recount.
1: I thought it would be more economical. And so, uh, in the end, after you, how, how many different counties were you able to uh, do actual hand counts in across California?
4: For Prop 29, we did hand recounts in four: mm-hmm. Orange County, Placer, Los Angeles, and Sacramento. And we also did the first ever machine recount of a statewide ballot measure in Los Angeles County.
1: And in, law, and I'm looking at some of the numbers you have here, uh, John Ma. Uh, the, in Orange County, they were charging you 29 cents per ballot to uh, to count, whereas in LA County, they were charging you two dollars and 24 cents per ballot, and and that wasn't even the worst. Up in Sacramento County, the cost uh that they're uh, trying to charge you in any case $3.86 per ballot to count your own ballots to f- to make sure uh, that the computers got it right. Uh, this is incredible to me. Did uh did you find uh you know any notable anomalies uh across the state in any of these uh in any of these counts uh, John Ma?
4: We found a lot of interesting anomalies in each of the counties. They're all very different. And in each, we found something special, and, and I was d- quite surprised by the order of magnitude difference uh-huh. in the cost to recount a ballot.
1: Well, and, and but just to speak to the results for a second, to sort of put that behind us, did you did you find anything that uh, that you feel would have changed the results in Prop Twenty Nine?
4: I was able to find many mathematical errors, uh, double counted precincts, precincts that were reversed, ballots that were missed. <laughs> provisional voters who accidentally put their ballot into the box without having their registration verified. I found many anomalies, but I was unable to find 24,076 votes of anomalies to reverse the outcome, which is what I
1: was searching for. And Tom Corbett, in Prop 37, were you and the uh, the Prop 37 proponents, uh, you only got to look at, at uh, two counties total before... Uh, it essentially killed, she stopped the count. Brandy Orth, essentially, it forced you guys to stop the count. Uh, did you guys find any anomalies in uh, Orange County and Sierra before the count was ultimately stopped in Fresno County?
0: Um, in uh, in Sierra, which we, which we recounted in its entirety in about four or five hours, uh, 1,822 ballots, we did not find any anomalies. Uh, everything checked out. In Orange County, uh, we were there for three days. Um, I'm not sure the number of ballots we counted. Uh, I've got that someplace. But um, we found a couple of situations where it looked like they were off by one or two. I think in one case they were off by three. Um, And we had them recount them, and they found out uh, that they had simply uh, counted incorrectly just then, you know, in doing the recount. And, and we observed them uh, way up close. I mean, we were literally six inches from the ballot counters, and so and they also allowed us to uh, videotape and take mm-hmm. photographs. Uh, they were extremely, extremely cooperative. I, I mean, I cannot give enough praise, you know, to uh, Neil Kelly in Orange County and to um, uh, Heather Foster in.
1: Yeah, I know. Actually, uh, Tom, both you and John Ma uh, have lauded, uh, you know, just to make the case here that we're not picking on uh, election registrars, at least not all of them, uh, I know that you both lauded uh, Neil Kelly, the registrar of voters down there in in Orange County, uh, Mm -hmm. for his uh, cooperation on the Prop 37 recount in in your case, Tom, and in uh, John Ma's case in the Prop 29 count. Um, but it does seem like these, uh, like this recount law can be abused. I started off the program talking about what uh, registrar at the time, Michael Haas, did down there in San Diego County. Tom Corbett, you may remember that uh, attempted recount. Oh yeah. And how you know, one hundred and fifty thousand dollars stopped that uh, count. We saw the same thing happen up here in Fresno. Have either of you? And and let me uh, start with you, Tom, because uh, I know you were mo- most recently dealing with the Secretary of State's office. Have either of you taken these issues to the Secretary of State to point out the problems and you know w- with trying to over- oversee our elections? here and if so what response have you been able to get back because I wasn't able to get one <laughs>
0: um, I did uh, I did have conversation um, with uh, Evan Goldberg who
1: Our story at bradblog.com... Forget About Fresno, How One California County Clerk Stopped Prop 37's Oversight Recount and Why Secretly Tallied Paper Ballots Undermine U.S. Democracy, uh, was linked late last night by uh, Rick Hassan, the UC Irvine election uh, uh, election law professor, a nationally known expert. You'll often see him quoted uh, in, in the New York Times, on NPR and everywhere else. He linked to our report, said that this calls for a legislative response. Uh, I wonder if we will get one. Dr. John Ma, did you have any uh, experience with the Secretary of State uh, when you were going through your Prop 29 recount uh, as far as the disparities in cost? Did you get any response from them uh, about your concerns over that matter?
4: Uh, Thanks. I haven't raised that specific issue with them, but I would thank the Secretary of State's office, particularly Philly Crosby. They've been very helpful in providing the information, which I think has led us to the realization now of this wide variability across the state of california so i think moving forward there's a wonderful opportunity i have communicated with my legislators and I think this is the right time to take action. I agree with Rick Hazen.
1: Uh, John, uh, unlike uh, Tom Corbett, I know you're not a long-time election integrity advocate. Looking at what you came up against here, looking at how difficult it is, uh, as a matter of fact, Tom in, in my story is, is quoted as saying essentially that you know, democracy is unavailable in Fresno to anyone but high rollers. Uh, as someone who has not been an election integrity advocate for many years, uh, what do you think uh you know about the proposition that i put forward earlier and and in the story itself uh, you know, that paper ballots aren't enough, that if we don't get to count them on election night, we essentially have to wait for a, a large organization like the DNC or someone who, who is willing to come in with deep pockets such as yourself to, uh, to have confidence in our election system. Uh, do you have confidence, even if they are to standardize the pricing for this, do you have confidence in the way we're uh, computer tallying our uh, election results rather than having human beings do it?
4: I think your concerns are valid and very important, and I think your suggestions are excellent. There are two issues here. One is of recount cost, and the second is about the integrity of our elections. You know, as a public, we entrust the registrars and the recorders to accurately add up the votes. But concerns arise when these estimates are so inaccurate, as I learned. And particularly in close elections, since we don't have a mandatory trigger in the state of California, this really, the recount process is the only way we as citizens can make sure that democracy is preserved. So I do have significant concerns as well, and I hope that your wonderful
1: efforts will lead to legislative change. You're listening to the broadcast on KPFK. I'm Brad Friedman, uh, speaking with Tom Corbett, election integrity advocate from Riverside County, and Dr. John Ma. Uh, a a doctor from San Francisco uh both of these gentlemen have recently tried to uh to recount ballots in uh in our statewide propositions and have run into walls uh, at various times here. Before I let, uh, both of you go, uh, Tom Corbett, I know you're working with, um, or hoping to work with a legislator up, up in Sacramento, uh, trying to file a bill. What, uh, you, I know you want to standardize costs. Do you think there is more that can be done, uh, for example, posting uh, recount costs on websites before the election rather than waiting for one that, you know, a Republican uh, registrar of voters may be against, or hell, a Democratic registrar of voters may be against. Uh, will that help to stop the abuse? And uh, do you feel that uh, the law is good enough as far as uh, allowing post election uh, counts as opposed to election day hand counts?
0: Well, you You've got about a two- or three-part question there, uh, Brad, but let me, let me speak to the first part, which is uh, posting the cost of doing a recount, posting it online on their website. Um, John and I found that uh, I think it was about half, at least, of the counties do, in fact, post uh, the, the system that they would use for calculating the cost uh, of the recount. They post it uh, on their website. You still have to talk with them directly because there's so many variables. But at least it gives a a person a sense of what what it would be like. Um, The but that doesn't uh, that doesn't resolve the problem because um, there's. See Brad, there's there's two or three sections of of various laws that uh, address. How much they can charge? Okay, and one w- one section of the law, uh, which is in the um, uh, California Public Records Act, states that um, the this has to do with public records. Mm-hmm. We maintain that ballots are, in fact, public records. Um, and it says the CPRA, the California Public Records Act, contains no provision for a charge to be imposed in connection with the mere inspection of records. Now, I maintain that that's all we're doing, is we're inspecting those ballots, and therefore there should be no
1: cost. You know, and and I, uh, Tom, I got I got to get out. I got to get to a break here. Uh, but you know, I think you're absolutely right. And I think the idea, frankly, even if they standardize these costs, the idea that citizens have to collect their money to make sure that their elections uh, were counted accurately. Well, you know what? You you may have put it best uh, in in the story at Bradblog.com. Uh, Tom, I've got you quoted uh, saying that obviously the cost is so extreme that the common citizen could not afford. To have a recount conducted in Fresno County, the difference is so stark between Fresno and Orange as to be insulting to the cause of democracy. Uh, frankly, I would, uh, I would make the case here that uh, it's an insult to the cause of democracy that anyone, that any citizen, even with dip, deep pockets, has to pay to find out if their elections were ta- uh, tallied accurately rather than tallying them publicly on election night so everyone, every party, everyone in favor or against any initiative can know that their elections have been tallied accurately. I'm going to uh, have to cut it off there and point, folks, uh, to the full report at bradblog.com. I hope uh, folks listening will check it out. It's a lengthy and detailed report. But I think it's important, and I think the Secretary of State needs to know about it. I think the folks up in Sacramento need to know about it. And frankly, it's not a California issue. I think everyone in the country needs to understand that even here in California, with our liberal election laws, it is next to impossible to oversee our own elections, counting paper ballots secretly by computers, and then maybe, maybe, if you're lucky, later on, after an election, uh, is not enough. And we need to stand up and do something about that. Tom Corbett and Dr. John Ma, really appreciate your work uh, for election integrity and for uh, for joining us here this afternoon on the Bradcast.
0: Uh, breaking news, uh, Brad. I'm going to take 15 seconds, and that is that we uh, one of our members met with Darren Chesson, who is the chief advisor to the California Senate Committee on Elections. And Darren Chesson took the position that everything is fine in the elections arena – there is no need to make any changes. He doesn't believe that um, there could be any mistakes because they do one percent one percent tallies.
1: Uh, Post election audits, yeah.
0: And and he would basically oppose any uh, changes that might be recommended <laughs> uh, to make uh, the to, to make the citizens have. Uh, a better access and more transparency in this process.
1: Incredible, Darren Chesson. Uh, he's a state. Uh, where is he?
0: He's with the the Senate Committee on Elections. He is the chief advisor to them, and and basically, he, whatever he says to the senators, they listen to. It, uh, and and they, so they don't they don't necessarily study the bills that have been presented. They just get uh, um opinion, and if he says thumbs down then it goes
1: nowhere. I hope that folks go to the California Senate website. We don't have that here. Look up Darren Chesson and send him uh, the article from bradblog.com. Tom, thanks for that breaking news uh, and for all you do. And, uh, John Moth, thank you, too, for joining us here this afternoon. Thank you.
3: What is wrong? And the evidence is clear. I'm not alone.
1: Fighting for your vote right here on KPFK 90.7 FM in Los Angeles. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back for much more. Stay with us.
3: Our vote don't matter anymore.
2: KPFK presents Love Fest 2, featuring Gregorio Luke and his multimedia presentation, The Art of Love. Love Fest 2, Thursday, February 14th at Roberto's Club in Chinatown. KPFK DJs, Jose B. Killer Beat, and Teddy Soul Brother to the night. Providing the soundtrack for Love Fest 2. Classic R&B oldies. 50s, 60s, 70s, Latin soul, and more. Special beverages and Valentine hors d'oeuvres will delight. Love Fest 2. Love Fest 2. Thursday, February 14th at Roberto's Club in Chinatown. Love Fest 2. Featuring Gregorio Luke and his multimedia presentation on The Art of Love. Thursday, February 14th at Roberto's Club in Chinatown. Doors open at 7 p.m. Ticket information and more details available at kpfk.org. Proceeds benefit KPFK 90.7 FM.
1: to the gates of hell right here on KPFK. This is your broadcast. I am Brad Friedman of bradblog.com. We're going to go to uh Desi Doyen shortly with some uh, green news and the latest green news report that's coming up in moments. Want to hit a few quick news items though before uh before we bring Desi in. The post office announces no more Saturday delivery for first-class mail as of August Though the post office receives no federal funds and it has, over the past decade, increased productivity every year, their problems don't seem to be the Internet and email, but rather the Republican Congress, which in 2006, at the peak of the Postal Service's profitability and productivity, passed a law requiring the U.S. Post Service to fund 75 years' worth of pension plans every year which, of course, no other public or private organization does. That law, after the economic crash in 2007, effectively crippled the post office, which is arguably exactly what the Republican Congress was hoping to do, uh, let's say, on behalf of their friends at UPS and FedEx. Also today, the Boy Scouts of America have courageously announced today that they are Reconsidering and postponing their plan to allow local chapters to decide whether or not they wish to stop discriminating against gay scouts. A plan announced several weeks ago would have allowed local scout groups to decide whether or not to allow gay scouts and troop leaders. But the Boy Scouts of America now seem to have, uh, seem to be having second thoughts and they could decide to keep up their traditionally discriminatory policies in place after all, finally, the Obama administration, and I suspect we may get into this in the uh, the coming weeks uh, offered uh, their legal defense sort of kind of for killing u s citizens abroad with drones. Due process? We got your due process right here, is pretty much what they were saying. It's perfectly legal, the administration argues. They just want to keep that perfectly legal reasoning for killing U.S. citizens abroad a complete secret from the American public. While a leaked 16-page white paper summarizes some of the administration's legal justifications for giving themselves permission to kill Americans with no oversight from Congress or the judiciary or anybody else, they still refuse to release the full legal memos which are said to make their case, just as the Bush administration refused to release their legal justification for torture, which, as you may recall, candidate Obama, and then even the Obama administration, pretended to be offended by. Well, so much for that. They're doing the exact same thing the Bush administration did. On the other hand, both Republican Speaker John Boehner in the House and Republican Senator Lindsey Graham in the U.S. Senate both came out today in support of the Obama administration's secret legal justification for killing U.S. citizens without oversight. So... Who says bipartisanship is dead?
0: It's not easy being green. It seems you blend in with so many other ordinary things.
1: Hey, Des. Hey! And
0: people
4: tend to pass you How's it going? Over.
1: That's not, uh, of course, uh, easy being green as in the green party. That's easy being green as in easy being Desi Doyen, our uh, producer and uh, green correspondent. Uh, you're here with the latest Green News Report, are you?
3: Indeed.
1: All right. Uh, what well, we have, yeah, we'll have uh, a few minutes. You got anything beforehand or should get right to it and well, talk after. just afterwards? get right to
3: it and we'll talk after.
1: All right. Here we go. Uh, our latest Green News Report with Desi Doyen, the lovely Desi Doyen, our producer and my co-host and managing editor of the Brad Blog's Green News Report. Will we sit on the sidelines and fall behind? Or will we play to win the clean energy race?
3: Energy Secretary Stephen Chu steps down.
1: High gas prices are like a tax straight out of your
2: paycheck.
3: Record high gas prices mean big oil profits. U.S. carbon emissions fall. Plus,
2: we could have saved 500 million bottles on game day
1: alone.
3: The Super Bowl ad you didn't get to see.
1: All of that and more straight ahead from Bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And
3: I'm Desi Doyen.
1: Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. Well, as is obvious to the viewers at home, we have a power outage here at the Superdome. Oh, great. Thanks, Obama. This is your Green News Report. Okay, Des, the lights went out in the middle of the Super Bowl. I don't really know what happened, but I'm pretty sure it's got to be Barack Obama's fault.
3: <laughs> well, yeah, that is essentially what the right-wing media is saying. It was the night the lights went out in NOLA. Officials still don't know why the power went out in half of the Superdome in New Orleans on Sunday, only that sensors at the dome detected an anomaly that tripped a breaker. But the crack right-wing investigative media was on it. On Twitter and elsewhere, they blamed everything from Obama to new energy-efficient LED lights that were installed on the exterior of the dome, except the power outage was inside the dome while the new LED lights outside the dome remained on. The Super Bowl also helped save energy. It seems counterintuitive, but electricity consumption actually falls during the game. According to a new analysis, electricity use during last year's game dropped an estimated 7% across the whole country. That's because people tend to watch the game in groups, meaning energy consumption is concentrated in fewer places. Too bad we can't play the Super Bowl weekly, huh? And one Super Bowl commercial has gained notoriety for being rejected by network CBS. Now, CBS won't comment on why it rejected the ad by at-home soda maker SodaStream, but critics say it might be because SodaStream took aim at the game's sponsors, Coke and Pepsi, and directly criticized the waste generated by hundreds of millions of discarded plastic soft drink bottles.
1: With SodaStream... We could have saved 500 million bottles on game day alone. If it was because Coke and Pepsi were also both seen in the ad, seems a bit hypocritical. We see ads from Coke and Pepsi during the Super Bowl all the time. Coke shows Pepsi, Pepsi shows Coke. But I guess it's a two-party duopoly when it comes to the uh, cola wars.
3: Yeah, critics have called on CBS to come clean and explain their standards. The controversy, though, has boosted the ad anyway with millions of online views.
1: Good. It's not enough for our country to invent clean energy technologies. We have to make them and we have to use them, invented in America, made in America, and sold around the world. That's how we'll create good jobs and lead in the 21st century.
3: That was Energy Secretary Stephen Chu in 2011. The Nobel Prize-winning physicist has announced he will step down. As Secretary of Energy, he oversaw investment in the nation's domestic renewable energy industry, including a doubling of renewable energy projects across the country on public lands in just four years. In his departure letter to employees, Chu was blunt on the importance of clean energy to the economy and taking action on climate change, saying, quote... Ultimately, we have a moral responsibility to the most innocent victims of adverse climate change. Those who will suffer the most are the people who are the most innocent, the world's poorest citizens, and those yet to be born. Unfortunately, the White House kept Chu from being this blunt about climate change during his term.
1: All of these uh, energy-related officials who are leaving seem to be leaving behind these letters on the way out to say, by the way, you better do something about climate change.
3: But the good news is Chu's programs are already delivering. carbon dioxide emissions in the United States have fallen to their lowest levels since 1994. Why? That's according to a new report by Bloomberg New Energy Finance. They say that emissions fell due to the doubling of renewable energy installations in just four years, plus utilities dropping dirty coal and switching to cheap natural gas because of fracking. And from energy efficiency upgrades to commercial buildings. Now, the U.S. is now more than halfway towards Obama's target of cutting emissions by 17 percent below 2005 levels. And that's in spite of Republican obstruction in Congress.
1: And in spite of the uh, inability to pass a cap-and-trade bill over the past five years, which, I should remind you, Republicans used to favor.
3: Yep finally poor poor big oil 2012 wasn't a record year for oil profits
1: snarky of you
3: yes but it wasn't too shabby big oil earned well over a hundred billion in pure profit in 2012 helped out by consumers who paid record high gas prices at the pump despite a drilling boom in the u.s. that the right-wing media said would lower gas prices
1: and they were able to make those kind of profits even after canceling the uh, welfare uh, entitlements that we give to them
3: oh wait that's right we didn't we we still give them four billion dollars a year in subsidies and tax breaks.
1: Lucky them. And lucky you. You can check out that story and the ones we couldn't get to today at our website, greennews.bradblog.com. Remember, you can download us anytime via iTunes, listen to us on your mobile device via TuneIn or the Stitcher Radio app. Find us and like us on the Facebook and follow us 24-7 on the Twitters at Green News Report. From radblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyle. And this has been your Green News Report. Pump it up indeed. Yeah. Well done, Desi Doyen. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, I have a question for you about that SodaStream story that is uh, sort of on the side of the, uh, the the commercial that CBS seems to have censored. Is it true that SodaStream is actually made in uh, – is an Israeli company and it's made in uh, an occupied – the occupied West Bank?
3: Well, it does appear to be true. You had asked about this mm-hmm. uh, earlier. And um, in, the R- in the Guardian UK, they have a story from yesterday that says that uh, – a group called the Interfaith Boycott Coalition. Uh, they've announced that representatives, quote, from Jewish, Christian, and mon- Muslim organizations are calling for a boy- boycott of SodaStream because it manufactures its products in an illegal Israeli settlement in the occupied Palestinian West Bank. And the uh, Interfaith Boycott people, they say that what they're trying to do is help to end the occupation by focusing on corporations that they say benefit financially from illegal occupation in the Palestinian territory. Now,
1: see, you know here I am I am nothing if not in favor of third parties so I was happy to jump in on Soda Stream's behalf when they were fighting uh, the duopoly of Coke and Pepsi but now I, I can't even support third party can I
3: well, you can consider it on one hand now the uh, the CEO says we don't strengthen or support the occupation. What we're doing is taking a facility in the occupied territory, giving Palestinians a career and economic benefits. And so he says that he thinks that those people are on the wrong side of this. We're part of the solution. We are building bridges, not walls. That's the quote from the CEO defending the location of their manufacturing facility there. One can also then look at the larger macro picture, if you will, that, you know, the statistic of 500 million Plastic soda bottles every single day, uh, not just in America but around the world, that's 14 billion plastic soda bottles a month. Uh, Most of those do not get recycled, probably something on the order of uh, less than uh, 90% of them get recycled. So, you know, when you look at the larger issue of plastic trash and our inability to control our waste streams, that might be something that people could could weigh and get more information from SodaStream and depend on it. Here's a better
1: idea, uh, since they all have high-fructose corn crap in them. Let's just not uh, drink soda Don't drink soda at all. There you just go. Uh, very quickly, 10 seconds coming up on tomorrow's Green News Report, which folks can download at iTunes or Stitcher or the uh, TuneIn Radio app.
3: President Obama has nominated the CEO of REI. That's the uh, outdoor recreation equipment company, Sally Jewell. And uh, so she's got a quite mixed but does have a corporate background and also an environmentalist.
1: Well, I love REI, and if that I guess that means that if she uh, doesn't work out, we can get our money back. Anytime, no questions asked.
3: You mean like REI e. does e. I. with members? <laughs> okay, very funny. My uh,
1: thanks to producer Desi Doy of course, associate, super-duper associate producer Margo Paez, our board operator today, Federico Garcia. And uh, stay tuned for John Wiener in the 4 o'clock report. Uh, he'll be uh, asking the question, is the party of old white men doomed? You'll not want to miss old white man uh, John Weiner's report on that coming up right after the Bradcast. We'll see you next week, same Brad time, same Brad channel. Until then, you'll find us on the Twitters at the Bradblog and, of course, at bradblog.com. Good night, America.